Hello, this is John Mangini, Vice President of Marketing with the New Jersey Bankers Association. Welcome to the New Jersey Banker Podcast. Today, our EVP and Director of Government Relations, Mike Afuso, sits down with the President and CEO from Bankers Cooperative Group, Matthew Cooney, to discuss the evolving workplace. Thank you, John. Today we're joined by Matt Cooney of Bankers Cooperative Group where we're going to talk about some issues pertaining to uh, the evolving evolution in the workplace, retaining talent, importance of culture in the workplace, and other types of benefit issues. So uh, thank you, Matt, for joining us. So what have you seen in your discussions with folks about the evolution of the workplace in uh, recent years? Well, first, let me say this, Mike. Thanks so much for your time. Glad to be here. John, thank you as well. Uh, excited for the opportunity here. Just to share, you know, kind of what we're hearing out there. I know Mike, you and I have had the opportunity. We've been out there in recent weeks and recent months getting out there, seeing our members, uh, seeing you know, a number of our CEOs and our partners out there. I think the thing that's been coming you know, to the, the forefront in conversations, the evolving workplace. You know, over the past two years, we've all dealt with you know, the pandemic um, and really what that's meant for the workplace. Remote work, hybrid work, are we in the office, are we not in the office? I think there's been a lot of back and forth about um, what's the right approach and, and where's it gonna go moving forward. Um, I think the general sentiment that we heard from, uh, from our members thus far is I think we're, we're kind of straddling in that range of hybrid work being uh, the place of most prevalence for, uh, for the members. I don't, I don't know if you saw it any different in those conversations, but it seems like there's a, a pretty good or a healthy majority of our members are kind of in that hybrid range. A little bit in the office, a little bit out of the office. Obviously, it's different in the retail setting. You know, that always has to be in person, but generally speaking here, it seems like hybrid is where is where we're landing right now from the overall membership. You seen any different? I, I completely agree, Matt. It seems to me that, you know, we have folks that are, are uh, generally landing in the, the three days in the office, two days out of the office, or, or a 4-1 mix. Um, there, there certainly is the concern about productivity and culture, but right now, the fact that, that we were able to get through the pandemic and work completely from home does lend itself to uh, this added flexibility in the workplace. So um, looks like this is going to be the way of the world uh, for the uh, foreseeable future. Um, but, but again, it, it will be evolving, I think. Yeah, and I think a lot of us are trying to figure out how do you measure productivity. I think there's, you know, you know, our, our members and us included are trying to figure out what are the tools that can be provided to identify what the appropriate metrics are. How do you then measure them uh, and make certain that productivity is there. But again, I think the general sentiment as well, although maybe not necessarily quantified, is that productivity hasn't fallen off. In fact, I think a lot of folks are, you know, pointing to potential higher levels of productivity. You know, when you take away... Uh, the commuting time, you know, people are starting earlier, they're ending the days later, they're working through, um, you know, lunch and otherwise. I think that a lot of our, our members, and again, I think I can speak to myself and our organization here, Bankers Cooperative Group included, um, we haven't skipped it or missed a beat uh, when it comes to productivity. Uh, I think that's a, a really good thing. But coupled with that has been the added benefit of, you know, I, I know it's the uh, yeah, the cliche of work-life balance, but I think there's there's something there to be said. And uh, so long as the productivity's been there, I think there's there's definitely merit to the continuation uh, of a hybrid environment. We know it doesn't work for everybody. We know there's certainly some concerns, particularly on the culture side. You know, as much as there's some positive to speak to, um, you know, one of the drawbacks or concerns that we also have heard in those same conversations has been, well, how do we onboard? You know, we heard yesterday in the uh, in the HR conference, there was a, 
uh, a session specifically about onboarding and the concerns around, you know, how do you appropriately onboard somebody in, you know, maybe if you are in a 100% remote environment, if you are in a hybrid environment. And then the long term, once you get past the onboarding, um, what does that environment look like for somebody new to your organization? You know, when we entered into uh, the pandemic and, you know, and COVID and working remotely, our organizations were what they were. The culture was there. There was a continuation of that culture, you know, that you try to continue during that interim period. Now the question becomes, okay, what are we going to do to sustain that culture moving forward where we're bringing in new talent, we're bringing in new individuals that have yet to be you know, indoctrinated into our culture? How do we do that appropriately? How can we do that? I think that's where you're going to see the pushback against or take the other side of or the other position of hybrid versus full-time here in the office all the time. Um, that's one of the negatives. That's one of the drawbacks. And I think to be determined how we how we can potentially solve for that. Again, that's what I picked up in these conversations. I, I agree. I think I think the other uh, added piece of it is, is what is incumbent on the leadership of the organizations to uh, manage the employees in ways to ensure that uh, not only is workload being done, but that everyone is participating and um, being being brought in as part of the workforce and, and ensuring that uh, people are being treated fairly as far as distribution of the work. Yep. Um, I think I think that's really an added um, component for folks that are in leadership positions because they do have to ensure that you know well one person is acting you know you know you're, you're getting you're getting hundred and forty percent out of one person. Um, which is great, and it certainly is, uh, you know, what, what we see among our top performers. It's also incumbent upon the leadership to ensure that for the folks that, that you know, are, are not top performers, that you're not, only, you're not getting just 40% from them. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, there's really that extra burden on, um, on the leadership of organizations to uh, really set those matrices and, and, and grapple with uh, some of those more thorny issues of, of uh, folks that underperform. And we all know that every organization has that. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's really going to be an evolution. But it definitely seems like there's no one size fits all, right? There's no one size fits all that says 100% remote. There's no one size fits all that says 100%, hey, we're absolutely hybrid or absolutely um, in the office all the time. So it's certainly no one size fits all. And there's not a one size fits all for the type of person that this might make sense for because it works well for some. It doesn't work well for everyone. I think we also heard that clearly. There's definitely a lot of personalities out there and different people, different feelings and different sentiments about all this. Um, so there's that element. Again, not one size fits all. And even the roles themselves, obviously there's that retail setting where there's just no way around it. That has to be in person. But other roles within the organization, within the bank, um, you know, again, I don't, I don't necessarily think or feel that there is truly that one size fits all. It's, uh, it's a moving target. Uh, not necessarily saying that's a good or a bad thing, but it's just something that, like you said, Mike, to, to be aware of and how you handle this. And it does come from the leadership. Well, the other thing I think that's, that's important to think about, uh, if, if you're talking about the opportunity for a particular function to be made 100% remote, you then increase your talent pool to all of the talent in the United States of America. Yeah. You know, whereas, you know, geographically, particularly in a place like New Jersey where it's crowded, where commute times to travel short distances might be elongated, um, you know, you, you really are limited geographically uh, by, by where your talent, by, by who you have as a talent pool. When you do shift to uh, full remote for for some positions, your your geography doesn't matter anymore. So um, mm-hmm. that certainly is a uh, is a is a huge plus that you could you can attract uh, talent from from anywhere well, for those types of jobs. Again, it's just a great segue because that was the other big thing, along with the conversations we've been having out there. 
um, attracting and retaining talent is definitely way, way, way up on the orders of priority and, and focus, uh, again, for our members. It, it just seems like there's been a heightened state or challenge that's come with uh, attracting new talent and in particular as well, retaining the talent that's already there within these organizations. Um, no small undertaking. I think the general consensus is a couple things. Um, it's getting harder, number one, right? I think that was that was that came across pretty clear. Um, some difficult conversations in both keeping and attracting the talent. Um, wage inflation, you know, there's an elevation or a reset in wages that's certainly taking place out there and not specific to our members. I think this is, you know, across the board, all industries are impacted. Um, you know, that's just a, another added function of everything that's out there in the, in the general economic climate. But uh, again, things that aren't making it particularly easier for, you know, employers out there. Attracting new talent, I think, is a double-edged sword. You have talent that's now out there to what you'd said, Mike, you know, you can expand your geography. Your reach might now be more expansive because of remote work. That's a good thing. Uh, you have folks that maybe who weren't as inclined to think about or give consideration to a move more inclined to do so now. That's a good thing. Conversely, on the other side of that coin is if you're looking within your own organization, well, now you've got some additional flight risk that wasn't there. You've got people more inclined to think about leaving you that weren't necessarily thinking that way. Um, so again, it's a double-edged sword. You know, again, attracting, retaining. Um, not easy. And it's certainly a place now where I think you talk to anyone in HR, like we heard yesterday, um, it is really, really challenging. Uh, and there's only so many levers that can be pulled to successfully execute on your attraction of talent and your retention of talent strategies. Yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's a very um, interesting time. But, but, you know, you also think about folks that are, you know, geographically close but n may not be fully participating uh, in the workforce, whether, whether people that stepped out of the workforce for family concerns or folks that are, you know, retired, they stepped out of the workforce to retire, that um, the remote environment creates a, a different way for folks to enter the workforce uh, in, in possibly a, 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 an easier way for, for people to do that. So uh, very interesting times. But it, it also brings to light the point of you've got all these varied generations in the workforce, right? So you've got Gen Z. You know, so those think of the, the, the recent college graduates. So you've got Gen Z, you've got millennials or, or you know, what you would call a geriatric millennial like myself. And then you've got uh, Gen X, and then you've got the baby boomers. So you've got four different um, generations in the workforce, four different profiles, four different cohorts, whatever you want to call it. But they all have different feelings, different approaches, different ways that they go about work. Um, and yet they all are looking for different ways to be addressed and how to be handled. Um, you know, just speaking to Backers Cooperative Group here specifically, some of our recent experiences in this is that we've been actively recruiting for an internship program. And we were successful in executing upon that. We were participating with Temple University in their risk management and insurance program. Very eye-opening for me to have that firsthand experience. What um, your recent college grads or those still within school, what they're looking for. Uh, we were there for their internship uh, uh, fair where we had an opportunity to in, be on site, be in person. You know, there was probably about 200 of their students, juniors entering in their senior year, actively looking for internships. Um, we had direct conversations that day with at least 30 candidates. Every single one of those candidates were asking us and asking me, what is your organization doing to provide or generate some kind of societal good? 
what are you doing as far as your community outreach? Like, what is your why? What is your cause? And they didn't want to hear about why or how you made money. They didn't want to know, um, you know, necessarily what the day to day. They they cared about all those things. Those things matter. But one of the top things that they all asked for, and it was consistent. What was your What's your cause? What's your real mission? Uh, and what good are you creating in the world out there? It was it, to me, it was very very eye opening. I, I think it's a positive thing. I really do. But um, much more so than any other candidates or um, you know that we've seen. Again, within those four demographics in the workforce: Gen Z, um, Millennials, Baby Boomers, and uh, and Gen X. Gen Z seems more you know down that road. It was very interesting to see. So again, I just think there's all these different places in the workforce as far as the different generations there. Everyone's looking for something different. Yeah, certainly, certainly. And I and I think you know this new flexibility, um, you know, gives gives an organization that's willing to be flexible something additional to offer. Um, you know, you spoke about um, the, the onboarding of, of an intern. I, too, with my, my recent ascension to, uh, to CEO, will be looking to backfill my position. And uh, for folks that are listening to us that are, are not in the North Jersey area, uh, North Jersey is very congested, and we are located in Cranford, New Jersey, which is in the northern part of the state. Um, a normal, traditional work environment would definitely limit my ability to recruit people from all over New Jersey. But a hybrid work environment opens up the entire state to my ability to recruit. So it's really when you really apply uh, to, to, the, to the, the, the facts at hand, um, you realize the value of um, the, that type of environment. But I also want to take a look at, at you know, workplace culture and, and what we're seeing um, as far as, as um, what it is that uh, employers are now doing to kind, of, to kind of instill that new workplace culture. So what, are you, what are you seeing out there when it comes to that? Uh, well, one, it, it's not easy. Uh, and it has to be something that's organic. It has to be authentic. Um, you know, my, my personal opinion is this, is that the organizations that have developed and fostered and creating are actively engaged in you know, perpetuating that culture uh, are, are most likely to uh, survive and thrive in, in, you know, the economic conditions moving forward. Um, I just think that's almost without question. Um, you know, part of the culture now needs to incorporate the fact that, you know, we're not necessarily going to be together all the time, 100% of the time. Uh, so with that, you know, any kind of culture that you're trying to bring into new folks coming on board or even your existing folks, I need I think really needs to have you know people within your organization that are you know the the you know the very tangible expression of that culture, and they become the ones that steward that process, that are the mentors for others within your organization to see that that culture is sustained and continues to move forward. Um, but I just think that such a big part of culture um, now moving forward, it, it needs to incorporate and recognize that it's not going to be in person and on site all the time. And I just I, I I very much recognize that will not be easy. I don't know that answer is to be quite honest i don't know i think that's going to be something we kind of figure out and see in the coming months the coming years um how to do that but i, I just know that i think in in recent years you see again i'm even talking before covid i think you saw a lot of organizations try to take some um you know big leaps towards replicating you know think of like the googles of the world apple and you know a variety of you know just call it tech type companies um you know the ping pong tables you know the bar setup. Um, you know, the beanbag chairs and this and that and all this stuff. Um, that's all well and good. And I think there's a place for that. Um, but I, you know, I've also seen where it goes wrong and where it goes wrong is, you know, that, that concept of like the open workplace. Hey, let's get everybody in one big room. Let's all collaborate. Like let's be this and create this hyper collaborative environment. Um, I think you've seen that backfire in some instances where, you know, maybe you have some folks on your team that might be a little bit more introverted. Maybe they don't want to hear and be a part of every single conversation, or maybe they just like a quiet place for uh, the ability to conduct a phone call with either a client, prospective client, or a vendor, whomever it might be. 
Um, you know, culture is a tricky thing, and sometimes you can take some some oversteps or missteps, and uh, that's one glaring one that I've seen go, go wildly wrong in other places. Is that whole concept of an open open workplace? Not saying it can't work everywhere. There's some places where it might work. I've just seen it tried. And not necessarily too much fanfare from the internal staff. So, so we talked a lot about uh, geography, where you're working, what what the what the physical space looks like when you're in the office. Um, what what are we seeing when it comes to um, other benefits like insurance, compensation, etc. And and how do you uh, how do you work with those other you know more traditional benefits and align them to the new workforce? Well, I think you know, listen, the COVID, you know, what's played out here in the pandemic. If it wasn't already top of mind for folks it certainly has put it up there and that's overall health care right so there's health care in general has always been what has been considered what you know what I would call part of your quote-unquote core benefits core benefits being your medical plan your dental plan your vision plan you know basically like the foundation of what every employee comes to expect from their employer when it comes to their benefits they expect there's a medical plan they expect there's a dental plan they expect that there's a vision plan. I think what you're seeing now, again, is now heightened awareness from both employers and employees how important healthcare is. Again, the pandemic brought that home for everybody. We all know that. We all had direct or you know uh, indirect experiences with what has transpired here in the past several years. So healthcare is always going to be at the forefront. What you're seeing is the benefits evolve with that. Um, you know, all of the the plans. So whether you're with a Blue Cross plan, an Aetna plan, United Healthcare plan, going to Cigna plan, going down the list, you're seeing all of these various programs uh, facilitate extensions of what they've already provided. Everyone's got coverage for when they go to their primary care doc. Everyone's got coverage when you go into and have you know an inpatient hospitalization or an outpatient surgery. They're all trying to better engage with your employees and engage through technology, apps. They, you know, telemedicine has taken off unbelievably. You know, telemedicine is not new. That didn't happen overnight. You know, that wasn't something that was launched here in 2020 or 2021. You know, that's been around for seven, eight, nine, ten years or more. It just didn't get the adoption uh, or acceptance from individuals until it was really mandatory to have. The only way you're going to see a doc 18 months ago uh, was going to be, uh, you know, through telemedicine. So you're seeing those types of tools incorporated into the benefit packages. You know, through the apps, through the engagement, through technology, um, mental health is also coming to the forefront. You know, overall, you know, employees, you know, they're they're worked and overworked like crazy. So you know, you've got added stress. You've got all these things. People, people's mental health has really taken on a much more greater degree of importance and definitely awareness for employers. And I think you're seeing that incorporated into all these programs. So medical, dental, vision, life, disability, all those things, those are the core benefits. I think what you want to see and are going to see moving forward is a greater effort to more clearly communicate all of the benefits that are being provided to employees. Uh, a much more cleaner alignment to technology to better engage employees and have awareness of all these programs so they know what they have, they know how to use it, uh, and they can take a more active role um, you know, in their overall you know, well-being, really, I think is what you're going to see. Um, again, uh, employers recognize this, the insurance carriers recognize this, we at Bankers Cooperative Group recognize this and are going to be doing things to further embrace and harness that and move it forward. Um, but it's certainly an evolving world. It's going to continue to evolve. Uh, and we want to be there you know, as a partner to our members uh, to embrace that, push it forward, and, and be a true partner for New Jersey bankers, for our members. Um, but that's, uh, that's what we're seeing out there right now. Well, thank you so much, Matt. Really enjoyed the conversation. Uh, thanks again to uh, Matt Cooney, President and CEO of Bankers Cooperative Group. For the New Jersey Banker, I'm Mike Afuso.